Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan. Fried fam, you know how much I love keeping it real and sharing true, deep, and dark stories about life and burnout. You also know, if you've been around for a while, that I have never had a quote-unquote real job because I've been an entrepreneur since the day I finished school. And entrepreneurship can be lonely. That's why if you're an entrepreneur or a creative like me, I want you to listen to the Who Made You the Boss podcast with Lindsay Epperly. With deep dives into imposter syndrome, honesty about bank accounts and life drama, and stories about the fallacy of balancing it all, Lindsay and Who Made You the Boss make the world of entrepreneurship more real, more connected, and less lonely. I recommend starting with episode three, all about slowing down for more impact. You can thank me later. Hey, Fried fans, are you ready to beat burnout for good? I want you to join our newsletter for top tips, resources, and, as per usual, a touch of humor delivered straight to your inbox. Plus, when you do that, you'll get our core values exercise, which is your secret weapon to kickstart your burnout recovery and then keep it away long term. Don't wait. Head to bit.ly forward slash core values freebie and start feeling better today. That link will also be in the show notes. You're listening to Season 6 of Fried, the Burnout Podcast with your host, Kate Donovan. Fried exists to hashtag end burnout culture, to help listeners release any shame, blame, guilt, or judgment that you have about burning out, and to create spontaneous moments of healing through recognition of shared humanity with other people who have experienced burnout and lived to tell the tale. Fried and its associated Facebook group are free resources provided for you from our hearts. Our paid work includes keynote speaking and one-on-one coaching. You can find information about that at katedonovan.com. And now, here is this week's Healing Packed episode. Hello, my Fried family. This week, we get to talk to someone who I have known online for many years now and never had the opportunity to actually have a one-on-one with. So this is a good opportunity for me to get a little closer to someone that I've appreciated from afar from a long time. Today, we're talking to Monica Monfrey-Scanselberry, who is often referred to as the expert for experts. After working for over eight years at the university level and then for 15 years in the high school classroom as a teacher, she exited education. Using her curriculum and instructional design expertise, she thought she brought partners and clients to create programs that get clients rapid results. As a certified life coach, health coach, and 200-hour certified yoga instructor, she has been featured in such places such as the, the New York Times and CNN Health as an advocate for ovarian cancer and breast cancer prevention. Monica, you're on Fried. It's happening. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, my God. All these years, it's like yes. (laughs) All these years, on my vision board here, and here we are. I love that. I love that. 
So we start every episode of Fried with the guest's burnout story. I'm just going to kind of sit back and let you tell it. And as you're sort of winding down, I'm going to pop in and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. There was a lot of questions I have in there. <laughs> so but for now, good. I'm going to sort of exit stage left and let you do your thing. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, you mentioned that I've been I was a teacher for 15 years and I exited the classroom. And I don't want to say it's, it's particularly there was a moment of burnout that made me exit. But I started teaching when I was 28 years old. Uh, I turned 29 my first year of teaching, and I was so excited to be there. Like, I think almost every single teacher will tell you that that first year, they're just like thrilled. I have wanted to be an English teacher since I was five years old. I used to line up my Cabbage Patch dolls, teach them. I went to the Catholic school. I'd have the teacher manual. They were the best behaved children I ever had. Went to college. It's like, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. And then I was like, no, I'm not going to be a teacher in college. I went and got a different job. Life was great. And then I was like, oh, I think I want to teach. And so I started off by working at a charter school. So I want to preface this and say that for 15 years, I worked inside of the charter system, not because I prefer a charter over public, but because that's when you're transitioning into education and you don't have a teaching certification, it is easier to enter into a charter school. And they also pay more. Caveat, they pay more, you work more. It all evens out in the long run. But I love teaching. I would show up. I would be the first in, last out. Any teachers in the podcast who are listening know that like it's a badge of honor to be the last one to leave. You know, the janitor walks by. Are you still here? Like, go home. Um, I have a picture. Um, my 29th birthday. Uh, one of my friends, she has passed away now, but she, they took me out to brunch. Uh, we were at an all-you-can-eat brunch in Washington, D.C. And there are pictures of me at the brunch with the mimosas grading a stack of papers like I was in it I was so I loved it like it was everything I wanted to do and that was the first four years and then I moved to New York City and was teaching and was still like in it for the long haul and you know wanting to get that four on your evaluation and just so everyone knows too like we don't get paid over the summertime the salary is like spread out so we're oftentimes working during there and I just I was like, this is great. Like never taking a day off. The movie tickets were a great motivation to never take a day off. Um, and then things shifted, right? I started to think like I hated going to work. And I think it was probably, it was in New York City. So I, it was my fifth year of teaching and I worked at a school and I was like getting them all. And it was my first year at the school, but my fifth year overall. And I worked for a director that like definitely was not, very kind and like didn't like somebody I got in the middle of like their argument and all of a sudden I found myself without like having a job like she was like your contract's not being renewed and I was like what do you mean like last week you told me I was going to be leading a team um and that's when I started to feel a little bit of the burnout but I just kept pushing forward found another job another teaching job paid more everything worked out for me um but I remember like things were happening in my personal life some loss was happening. And I was like, well, I'm just going to keep on pushing through. And it wasn't probably until year seven. So we're skipping some years here because there's like in the teacher life cycle, there's like, you feel burned out in like January and February, and then March is really bad. So there's like the burnout of the school year. But for me, the burnout story is like hitting year seven or year eight in New York city. That's sort of where you kind of get capped in your salary. And also realizing that like the triangle in education is really big at the bottom and really small at the top. And do you, is that really what I wanted? And I was so ready 
to leave. Kept on saying, I was only going to do this for five years. Started teaching yoga. Yoga kind of got me through the burnout. But the major point when I just hit burnout was right before COVID. And I don't want this to be like a COVID burnout story, but I'd already sort of been quiet quitting. I know people are always talking about quiet quitting. I was already starting to quiet quit. I had moved into a different um, school district, had different way of teaching. And I was already like, I'm no longer the first one in. I'm usually the last one. And I lived, it helped that I was only two blocks from my school. So I could just clock in from my living room. That was definitely helpful. Um, but I was usually the first one, you know, like the last one in at this point, and then the first one to leave. And it started to feel like, as I got older, the lure of being the the person who's always there was no longer there. And I also started to realize that what I had t- thought teaching was about, that it really wasn't. Like I was there to do the work. And the more, especially with COVID, the more that we were seeing that no matter how hard you work as a teacher, there is nothing that gets moved off of our plates. And that is not a knock on our schools. It's probably more of a knock on our society in that we have decided that teachers don't teach for money. We teach because we love it and we want to see our kids excel. And I was making six figures. I walked away from $106,000 salary in New York City um, because I was burned out. I just said, like, I'm done. Like, I'd rather do my own work, work for myself. And keep this up and to put you know just to make this even like more of a juicy burnout story if there's ever a juicy burnout story is my sister had been diagnosed with breast cancer in 2018 um i was also diagnosed with a BRCA1 genetic mutation which is what she had she passed away in march of 2020 the start of the pandemic i was given some space to grieve but 2020 was a weird year for grieving I ended up doing a preventative surgery in 2021 where they found cancer cells in my fallopian tubes. And when we think about as an educator, as a woman, 80% of teachers are women. The time off that it takes us to recover, whether you're having a child or you're having a health condition, it's, I don't think that people do it from like a place of I'm out to get you, but 10 days off is not enough. And an evaluation last year, my last year of teaching, I received a two on my attendance because I used nine of my 10 days and had had a hysterectomy and had to do like ongoing care to the doctor. And that was really, that was the part I think where the burnout just became like, I can't continue. Yeah. We can't say that we want our teachers to be well and that we want them to practice social emotional learning with their students. When in fact, our teachers are unwell. And yeah, because they can't, they there's yoga, no space. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. as much as I love yoga, like a yoga class, a massage during Teacher Appreciation Week does not heal the actual space. And I mean, I got married on August uh, 10th. I should know the date. I hope my husband's not listening to this. Um, but, you know, I got married in the summertime. You're supposed to go on your honeymoon during the summertime. We ended up doing our honeymoon over Christmas vacation out when I was pregnant and I ended up having a miscarriage, but I remember them saying like, it would have been better if you could have planned your, your pregnancy, you know, to, to be in May or June. I mean, if you're anybody who's a woman knows that like planning 
is yeah. not always like our bodies aren't like, oh, nine months, back. you know, like it's, it's, there's so much in that. I think that just, I hit the, I hit burnout last year and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't yeah. pretend like this is okay. One of the things that we say a lot on Fried that has become sort of an unofficial tagline is um, pee when you got to pee. And why we say that is because a lot of people that go through burnout, there's some sort of self-worth issue sort of underlying. Like you gave over too much of yourself because you were trying to prove something, trying to save yourself from something, trying to avoid feeling a certain way. And in order to regain your own trust, one of the ways you can do that, I don't believe in just like building self-love because you stand in a mirror and say like, I love you today. Like I, I that's not my, that's not yeah. my bag. But Telling your body that you are listening and that you respect it starts to build a level of self-trust, which then I I believe unwinds into further ability to say, well, I'm worth this care. And now your worth is improving. So we talk about this pee when you got to pee. We talk about it all the time. And one of the things that I have a lot of people that I know in the school department, I know a shit ton of teachers, and they tell me all the time, like, well, we just don't drink water because we don't have time to go to the bathroom. And I was, I also had a podcast episode with somebody, this must've been a year ago, um, Helena Lucia. And she was saying that one of the things that she remembers as a child was not being able to honor her body's needs because we're forced as children into this school system that says you have to raise your hand to ask to go to the bathroom and you may or may not get permission at any particular point. So the, the, students are not being given the space that they need to respect their own bodies and teachers are being actively asked to ignore their bodies until you know june 27th when they have a day off and so just on a even without going through the mental load and the workload just on a basic physical level this is just not acceptable yeah, it's the the going to the bathroom thing is so real. Like I remember, um, and like this was a few years ago, but I taught high school dance at a school in New York City, and my classroom was in the basement. And normally, like when you're up in the normal, like you had to go to the bathroom, like the principal or the assistant principal could could pop in um, to watch your classes because everybody knows if you teach high schoolers, you can't leave them alone for thirty seconds. Like it's just not. <laughs> you never know what can happen. And, you know, there would be times when I would be teaching in my high school dance and people would forget that I was downstairs. And the worst was when, you know, like anybody who's a woman who is, you know, if you're still menstruating, um, this story will resonate with you. Like there were times when I would be like, if I don't go now, it's going to be a disaster. And I remember leaving kids and being like, I trust you, please. Like, you know, and rushing to the bathroom and trying to do the thing that you had to do. And one time the principal came over, like, why don't you call me? And I'm like, I've been walkie-talking to you for like five minutes. Um, and they would literally forget that there was a classroom um, in the basement. And so it's so real not going to the bathroom. I actually really don't like water, so I would do okay without it. But like coffee, right? <laughs> like I would get coffee in the morning. And the two best preps, if you're a teacher, everybody knows this, is prep two, if you if you teach at a high school, so we have like eight to nine periods, you always want the prep that's not, the first time prep is fine. You, I like teaching first period. No kids ever came that time. 
second period was a great prep to have because that would give you enough time to have like your coffee go through your system and then last prep of the day. Like those were the two, like if you got those preps, you had slightly better self-care than if you didn't have those. But I did teach at a school where I had, I taught from eight until 1230 straight, no break, no real time to go to the bathroom. But I had the whole afternoon off. They were like, well, just wait till the afternoon. I was like, again, this is great if your body was a clock and you could like set it, but that's not real. Um, and I think it, you know, it really started to show up when my health was like, I have a genetic mutation. I can't do anything about my body. I can't do anything about the genes that I have. Um, and luckily in New York City, you can as a teacher and as a woman in New York City, you have, um, you get one time every year to go for half a day to get your mammogram. Doesn't cover going to get your MRI. So I remember I would be able to get time off to go get my mammogram, but if I couldn't get time off, like, uh, you know, without affecting my sick days to go get my MRI. So those are things that those lead to burnout because when you're just trying to like stay healthy and knowing, you know, like somebody posted on Facebook, do y'all take all your days off? And everybody's like, of course I do. And I actually, a lot of teachers don't take their time off because it goes against our evaluation and it costs more work to actually prepare to be out of the classroom, which leads to more burnout, right? If, if I have to plan two weeks of teaching when I'm out, that's like double the work. And so, you know, I think we're just taught as teachers to, it's just easier to like not do it or to try to go and get all of your time, your health stuff done when you're on vacation, which again, goes against this whole idea of like, my body doesn't know that it needs to like only be sick from December 22nd to January 1st. Like it doesn't know that there's a schedule. Yeah. And so what the, the question with that always comes up, right. Is, well, there's two questions. One of them is what, what the fuck are we supposed to do about this? And the other one is, how do you decide when to stay and when to go? Like, we're not going to change the school system this week, although I wish that we we could. That's not going to happen. So what can people do that are in it? And how do people get to the, uh, do you quit or do you grit? Like... Pride fam, I tell you in nearly every episode that step one of your burnout recovery is blood work. And I know that a lot of you avoid it because it's a pain and because your doctor has told you that everything is quote unquote fine. And they refuse to test all the things that you think you need. What if I told you that you could test what you want, when you want, from your home with just a couple of drops of blood? CyFox Health allows you to do just that. You can buy tests as one-offs or join a membership. Either way, you can test and track your results to help you make decisions about your burnout recovery journey. Get 10% off any membership, subscription, or one-time test kit right now. Go to scifoxhealth.com forward slash fried for your discount. That's S-I-P-H-O-X health.com forward slash fried. 
Oh, I like that. Do you quit or do you grit? Oh, that's a good one. I thought that I made that up. I wrote it in my book and I thought it was so clever. And then Susan Davis, who's like the queen of emotional intelligence, started writing it on LinkedIn. And I was like, damn, I thought I made that up. (laughs) I I used to say like posting, don't post and ghost. And then I realized like that's like a common thing. Um, (laughs) So I think the very first thing I would say to, you know, that I had to own up to myself is I became a better teacher when I stopped being the first and the last out, like there's no badge of honor. Um, And I say I became a better teacher because I had to start to use my time wisely inside of the school. So part of why I think I was always there so long as I was using my free periods to like go have conversations with my teacher bestie or like go do this or, you know, I wasn't using my time wisely. So part of feeling less burnout or at least becoming more like stronger with boundaries was I started my business. I was teaching yoga. So I knew I had to be at to Athleta on Mondays at 5 PM and our school got out at 4 15. So if I wasn't out the door at 4 15, I wasn't getting to something that like fed my soul. Um, so that was part of it was creating outside activity so that teaching didn't become the only thing that defined me that I mean, it didn't help solve everything, but it made me a better teacher. And I also had to let go of like, listen, a movie ticket was great. I had like 20 of them. I never could go see the movies until I quit teaching in my one of my jobs. And then I spent all summer going to the movies. But I think part of it is recognizing that the, the carrots that we're given um, are meant to pacify us. And we do the same thing with our students, right? We give them carrots to like keep them fulfilled. And I, there's nothing wrong with carrots. Like there's nothing wrong right. with motivational tools. It's when the carrots become more important than the first motivational tool is our bodies and our health and sticking through it. So I had to realize that like, great. Last year in my evaluation for the first time in 15 years, I was a 3.4 on my teacher evaluation. So it, you know, and why? Because I got a two in attendance. And I was like, well, I'm not coming back to teach anyway, but like, for how many years did I argue and fight just to be over a 3.5? So I could say I was an exemplar teacher, but for who, like my students, they're going to be okay. If we're not there one day, they're going to be okay. We call it. I think that's like the gotta be the bigger message to principals and to and principals are burned out too. So I don't fault yeah. the leaders of our school with this idea that our kids only learn when their teachers are in the building. Yes. And our kids only learn when they have teachers who are in the building and you're not going to have teachers <laughs> in the building if we keep on leaving. Um, so that's a long-winded way of saying like, we can't change it all, but we have to start to recognize that teachers deserve the time off. And if it's a benefit to give teachers days off, then we can't be not allow them to use it Yeah, yeah when they do it. Um, So that's like the first thing. The second thing I say is for teachers or for people like myself is I did leave. And I think I left, I mean, I left because I had a business. I left because my husband, we moved out of New York city, but I was already going to leave because I realized that I was going to work and I still love teaching, but I wasn't having the same impact. And it, I know too, that it will always be there. Right. Mm -hmm. There will always be somebody who's hiring. There will always be somebody Mm -hmm. who needs me. 
but mm-hmm. I might not always have this body, this experience, this time. And so I had to leave um, for the sake of like, not only my own health, but like the health that I was, you know, my marriage and that experience. And one of the things that I always remember about my burnout story is when I first started teaching, I had no idea what I was doing. My first day of teaching was the first day I met my students in 2007, August of 2007. And for four years, I did an activity with them that was hopes and dreams. And I would always model, because as a teacher, you always model. I say like, my hope is that, my dream is that I move back to New York City. And I said that every single year, right? And then I kept thinking like, but I'm not, like they're going and doing their hopes and dreams. And I am having the same thing and the same, like, you call it in yoga, samskara. Like, so if I don't break through, what type of teacher am I? So if I keep showing up in my classroom in year 15 and I'm not honoring my body, you know, it was really hard to send kids home during COVID when they had COVID because they're like, but you're all here. You're all coughing. Well, yeah, because there's this idea they follow what they see. So if there's yeah. one thing I would say, it's that, you know, if you tell your students that they sh- can chase their dreams and do the things and take care of themselves, then we have to model that. And I, what I wish happened more often, and this does sometimes happen in public schools. I don't like to say I quit teaching for a while. I was saying I took a sabbatical, you know, I was in the mm-hmm. higher education field, this idea that professors can take sabbatical. And one of my teachers um, that I worked with, she was from Korea and she was saying in South Korea, like they take, they get a year that they just take a rest year. And I wish that we could have this idea of a rest. Like everybody needs time to step away, to let the creative juices flow. I guarantee you that if I ever go back to teaching and the door is not shut, um, but when I go back, I will go back as a better teacher because I will have had time to, to see what's out there. Like I'll know all about chat GPT now because I use it. Like I'll know about (laughs) things because I got out of this bubble, right? There is a life outside of our classrooms and our students deserve to have teachers who have experience, whether it's a gap year, like how many 18 year olds do we know who take a gap year before they go to college? Our students would do, they would benefit by having educators who could step away for more than eight weeks from June July and August or July, August, September, like they would benefit from having teachers who can do that. So I think that that's the bigger thing is like to quit or to grit. Maybe it's just to break. Like, yeah. can we start to build in opportunities for educators or for people who are in school systems to take a break so that they can come yeah. back and be better for the students that they teach? I think there's some really important things here. The The first thing that I'll sum up is, you know, what what can we do right now? And the first thing you said was boundaries. First thing is like, find, find a way to instill some boundaries. For you, it was a yoga class. Sometimes, you know, especially for younger, newer teachers that are just starting to have children, like the the child becomes their new boundary. Like I have to get out of here because I have, I've got to get to daycare or whatever it happens to be, right? So Outside things outside of school that are important enough to you that you make them a priority that allows you to put into a boundary in place fairly easily. Or you could just practice having better boundaries without those things, but that's a separate conversation. (laughs) The second thing you said was sort of releasing the need to win the carrot. 
right? So to not think that in order to be an impactful teacher or a successful teacher, you have to be sort of winning all the prizes and getting all the accolades. Like you, you have to be treating yourself well and showing up best you can and feeling like you're making an impact, but you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get a perfect four. And I think that that's something that especially for a lot of people that burn out are high achievers and high achievers are accustomed to high grades and high marks. And when you are in a corporate environment, you have performance reviews, but it's not the same as these sort of teacher evaluations. Like getting a, a full on grade is, is like, how old am I? You're grading me. It just feels really... It feels, it feels like the right of the principal's office. Yes, exactly, exactly. Exactly. So I think that that's sort of letting go of the carrots and um, not allowing things to be. And this is for the for the leadership, like you were saying, for admin, for the the system at large, not allowing for our ability to take advantage of our benefits to end up in a punitive measure. Like that's a that's a more systemic answer to the question, which I think is really important. And the quit or grit question was like, quit if you don't feel like you're making an impact anymore, if your teaching doesn't feel impactful, if it's detrimental to your health and well-being, and if it's keeping you from your hopes and dreams. Those are the quit measures. And the, uh, the last thing you said was like, or maybe just take a sabbatical, maybe find a way to get a year off. And I know a lot of people get to this place where they try to use children like getting pregnant and having a child is like taking more time off, but that's its own job. That it's not, that is not time off. Let's be honest. No, not at all. And I think it's hard. Like there is, you know, some schools districts will have something, but the, the paperwork that you have to do is a deterrent into trying to take this space off. Um, and I just can't say enough about, you know, not waking up to an alarm clock, except when I really need to. And just, the space and have I done all the things that I imagined I would do? No, like I'm still working. I'm still like doing all the things. But my husband had said, like, I noticed there's a difference. Like our stress, the stress that I have now is different than the stress when I had when I was teaching. And I just think that's like a really important conversation is like life is stressful. Like life is going to life. You're going to have stress. Yeah. You're going to have stress. How would you differentiate the stress between then and now? Yeah. The stress when I was at the school was other people's stress. It was, Mm. you know, the stress of, it was so many different layers of like, I got to meet this and the state's coming in and I got these exams and oh, this child's doing this. And I'm worried about the safety of students. I I didn't have to worry about so much school shootings like some of other places do, but we had violence on our campus in different capacities. And we did have a student who was gunned down at dismissal. So it's even just that that the physical stress that you have when you walk in and walk out of a building as a teacher, as a student, as an admin in your classroom, like those were the stresses. My body would just always be in knots. Like, and now the stress is more like, oh, I got to pay my rent next month. Like, where's the money coming from? Right. It's, and I feel mm-hmm. in some ways like I'm in control of my stress um, because it really is like, I, it's about me and not so much about like, yeah, the the system that's putting the stress on, uh, and it can be a motivator, right? When yeah. you when you are running your own business and you have to pay a bill, you get real creative on how to make money, real exactly. fast. 
<laughs> so fast. And, you know, I finally, like I, I had mentioned to you when we came on, like I've been hired by a school district from where I live now to, you know, start teaching some yoga, do some after school. I think I'll find myself back. I'm a teacher at heart, like a five-year-old Monica wanted to teach, whether that is teaching people in my business, teaching students in a classroom, like that's what I meant to do. Um, but I think that there has to be a new way of thinking about how that teaching happens. And it doesn't always have to be me inside of a classroom with students at a desk. Um, and that's, I, I would say that too, to teachers. Like sometimes I think we get stuck because we think that the only way to teach is the way that we've been taught that teachers exist. And I just, it's time for us to to really rethink and reimagine. Yeah. And we had an opportunity to do it during the pandemic and we didn't. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, I hope that we continue to, we're going to have to, like the whole world is changing and we're going to have yeah. to rethink and reimagine what this looks like. So one of the things that I think people come up against a lot, well, there's two things. One of them is the only thing I know how to do is teach. So I can't go get another job. I can't go do anything else because I'm a trained teacher. I have a master's degree in education. Like what else am I supposed to do with myself? So this is the the only thing I can do is teach. I'm writing notes to myself <laughs> so that I don't forget. And then the the second thing is teaching is my identity. Who am I? Right? Like who am I if I'm not a teacher? So I want to, because I know that you do this so well, and because I've watched you do it so well for years, let's go into this. Like the only thing I can do is teach. Like, can we talk about how many other things teachers are amazing at that they could go use their skills at and make money in a different way if they just listen, listened to your like quit sheet and they were like, check, 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 got to bounce. Like what, how can they use the skills they already have in a, in a different way? Yeah. Oh, I feel like I have found ways to make this happen. And I still sometimes get caught up in that. So even as I like teach people how to do this and show them the way I still sometimes I'm like, Oh, I'm just a teacher. Like, what am I going to do with that? But I would say that if I taught high school literature, I want everybody here to imagine that you're 16 years old again. And your teacher says, we're going to read Oedipus. And you're like, well, I mean, I could go on TikTok. I could go on Instagram. Like why? Well, you have to market it, right? You as a teacher, you're marketing every single moment of the day, whether you are teaching a five-year-old or an 18-year-old. So marketing, like understanding the psychology behind how you get people to do the thing that you want them to do, whether you coerce them with a carrot or you coerce them with logic, like we do that. I taught the rhetorical triangle, which is, you know, speaker audience, uh, I'm forgetting something here. I try. I also have selective memory now, but, uh, you know, we know how to speak. And I think part of what has been a struggle for me is I understand how to help other people do it. And it's stepping into that role of, well, I'm the speaker now. And so if you've taught people how to speak, if you've taught them how to research, I know a lot of people are up in arms about chat GPT. I get it. I have a whole thing on it. And also like, we know how to ask questions. So yeah, speaker audience purpose. Thank you. Um, we know how to do research, right? So can you go into different organizations and help them understand how to ask the right questions? I work so often with people, especially in the coaching industry who are like, I don't get client results. Well, they're not asking the right questions. And as a teacher, 
part of what we do every single day is understand how to ask the right questions. If you are asking the wrong questions and you are getting the right answer, then revising that or looking at your data, data analysis. Listen, how many of us have sat in a meeting where it's like a bunch of numbers and you're like, I got to decide, you know, which of these students are ready to pass, how my kid's going to perform, predicting outcomes. Like these are all things that companies are looking for. And it's how we talk about it. And what I think is a, a danger that I fall into is being too teachery. It's like we kind of nerd out on things. And sometimes we nerd out like the wrong moment. So it's recognizing again, how do I take what I love? What I loved about teaching for me was community building, creating curriculums, you know, being able to just like have really in-depth conversations with my students. I hated the paperwork. So I would never be good at systems, but there is definitely a teacher out there who doesn't actually like working with students, who doesn't actually like the curriculum writing, and they love the filing. They love the organization. They're like, their Google folder is like organized and all the things. They're like, they can tell you when they talk to Johnny's parents that that was never me. But if that's you, then use those skills. So I think part of it is teachers are jack of all trades, which is why people say, if you can't do something, you teach. And I would tell you that like, we teach because we can do all the things. And so it's up yeah. to us to decide what are the things. The beauty of leading education is that now I get to decide what I love. And I, I focus on that. I focus on how to get results, how to write curriculum, and how to think outside the box and create community. I'm really bad at organization. I hire a VA to help me like manage my, <laughs> my client load. Um, yeah. Also, probably I have somebody come into teaching. my computer. <laughs> once a year and clean up my files because I can't do it. I literally don't know where things go. All right, I'm going to go through this list. I kept a list while you were talking because I want this to be repeated. We all know that repetition leads to learning. Yeah. So for my teachers out there, I'm going to go through this list of things that Monica mentioned again. I might've missed one, but I want you to listen to this list. If you're on that quit side of the scale right now, but you can't quit your job because financially you wouldn't be able to survive and you need to be able to create something. I want you to listen to this list and think about if there's something that sparks you in it. And if you're not a teacher, I still want you to listen to this list because there are likely things that you know how to do and are naturally good at that you can use in a different way than you're using them now. So even if you're listening and you're like, well, I'm not a teacher. I want you to stop for a moment and think about the skills that you have and how they can be applied in different ways. So many people that are burnt out get caught up exactly in this problem. Well, I'm this thing and, and so I can't do anything else. And it's just blatantly, it's never been true. I've been doing this for seven years. I've never had that be true for any one person. I don't care how specific the job was. So it's not true for you either. But the list is this. Marketing, motivational psychology, asking good questions, researching, creating curriculums, data analysis, predicting outcomes, community building, and creating connection. That's a huge list. That's a big list. Yeah, those are the schools we need a president to be. We need a president to be that. So I think all teachers should start running to be presidents. We need our right? presidents. You know, that, those are what leaders do. Exactly. Exactly. So take this in for a moment that if you've been in the same job for a long time, you know you need to get out, you're not sure how, 
make a list of the things that you know how to do that are separate from, included in, but separate from the title. Because those can be used somewhere else. That's really important. The second question is, and this is something that I, I wonder what you'll think about it because you haven't necessarily released this part of it. But what do you do if you feel like You've invested all this time in becoming a teacher. You paid for this master's of education. You did. And that's your identity now. You're a teacher. So if you're not a teacher, are you losing part of your identity? And how how do you let that go without feeling like you're losing something? Oh, hey, how did know, you know that sorry. my coach just had told me to do this on Monday? Um <laughs> And I think part of it is like, I would tell people like, I'm an expert teacher. Like I'm an expert. That's part of why I, I say that I'm the expert for experts. But I think that a huge part of it is, and I used to do this when I was working with teachers who were burned out, like my very first course, It'd be like, write a breakup letter to teaching, like write a, like a breakup letter um, and thank it for what it's done for you and move on. But then I haven't done that. Right. So that's something I'm working on this week is how do you not break up, but how do you think your, your education you thank the experience for what it's given to you so that you can step in because you're right I still do have a part of being a teacher that is a it's a huge part of my identity but what are the other words for teacher and I'm trying to test out like what are the other words that aren't just teach what are the things that I've done as the teacher that I can start to say like I'm not a teacher but I've mentored I've held space for I've consulted with uh so as I begin to step away from being a teacher, and I used to tell people when I went to networking groups, I'd never say I was a teacher because if you say to somebody, I teach, they're like, oh my gosh, are the kids really that bad? Or how on earth do you do it? Right? Like those are the two responses. So for me right now, it's going to, I'm starting to have this conversation. How do I stop saying I'm a teacher? I was a teacher and say like, I used to work in the education system. I consulted with students about how to do this, this, and this. What are the other words um, that, for whatever reason, in our society are more well-respected? Um, and I don't want to say respected in, like, uh, I do want to say the word respected. Let me not backtrack. It's respected, right? Yeah. You, hear, you hear a teacher, you automatically, you, like, put them in a box, tie them with a bow, and say they like apples. Um, and a lot of teachers, by the way, don't like apples. They like wine. <laughs> They curse. They, they do all the things that, like, we're not supposed to do. Um, yeah. All the things that, like, normal humans do. Teachers do. Teachers are just humans. So uh, I think that's part of it. It's, like, break, writing that thankful letter. I'm going to be doing this, you know, as I move through this quarter, because it's a huge year of growth for my business, is thanking Ms. Monfrey for all that she did, for all the lives that she touched. I touched in 15 years. Um, at some schools I had a hundred kids come through my classroom. So I've touched, you know, well over 1200 to 1500 students. Sometimes I taught the same student two years. Um, I have touched a lot of children's lives and I see them now as adults and I'm grateful for that space. And it is time for me to stop being the pebble and start being the rock and seeing how I can have true impact. And that means stepping away from Ms. Monfrey and stepping into Monica Monfrey consulting, Monica Monfrey Scanterbury, whatever that like that next identity is. 
So the moving through the identity involves a, a grieving process. That goodbye letter is a bit of a is a grieving exercise that's often given in in the coaching world anyway um is say goodbye to this part of your world this part of your life so that you can release it enough to move on that doesn't mean that it ne never existed that doesn't mean that it's not still useful it doesn't mean that you can't lean on it it doesn't mean but it does mean that you are actively creating space to say hey listen we're moving into something new now what do you know? I'm asking questions your coach is asking in the middle of a podcast episode. No, but it's, it's the same thing. I think we do it to our students, right? When we ask our students, I think one of the things that we sometimes forget as teachers is we were asking our students to show up every day and shed parts of their identity to be in our classroom. I worked yeah. with predominantly black and brown students in New York City, and I was asking them every day to come in and shed who they were so that they could fit into my classroom. Um, and we were asked to also as teachers were asked to shed parts of our identity to fit in and when we leave uh you know it reminds me it, it's just reminded me Shawshank Redemption right I am having that picture of Morgan Freeman as he is uh in the groceries after he's been released from prison and the re-entry is not easy and it's not easy I think to re-enter life after being a teacher and there is going to be a grieving process and it's the same process that our students might go to. And it's the human process. And I think that's what I'm excited about is the human experience that we get to move through. And to know that on the other side of it, here's the thing too, just because you left teaching doesn't mean you actually can't go back. Like, I think we sometimes think like yeah. quitting is like, we're not asking to be Charlie's angels and like walk away and blow it all up. It's like, I need to walk away and there might be opportunities for you to walk back through the door when it's right. But right now it's, I really, that, that image that I just got of the Shawshank Redemption and a Morgan Freeman saying groceries is sort of what it feels like. Um, the reentry. Yeah. Into life. Yeah. I think this was true for me with acupuncture moving through saying like, I mean, I spent 15 years telling everybody I met that I was an acupuncturist and dealing with the the same, the, the sort of judgment that you were talking about, like, oh, you're a teacher, like you must love apples. Here's this box. Like, oh, you're an acupuncturist. Like either people are like, oh my God, that's so special and amazing, which is about 15% of people and 85% of people are like, does that work? And you're like, no, I'm just a charlatan and I like taking people's money. Like, what are you talking about? Why would I do something that I didn't think? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like, why would I do something that I thought didn't work? That wasn't, that wasn't successful or wasn't yeah. useful or impactful. Um, and so leaving that, I left the door open. One of the reasons that I did another degree now is because while I can be um, licensed in every single state in the United States besides New Jersey, <laughs> In order, if I ever want to practice in New Jersey, I had to change my schooling structure. So I went back to school, not because I think I'm going to practice right now, but what if I want to practice in five years? I don't know that I'm not going to want to. I don't, I don't know that. It's not what I want to be doing right now, but that doesn't mean anything for next, the next decade of my life. Like who the hell knows where I'm going to be or what I'm going to be doing or what I'm going to desire, like allowing that door to be open is important. So I will continuously do, like, I'll do all my CEUs, like, I'll do my continuing ed education, I'll do the things I need to do to maintain my licensure, and then, you know, see what happens in life, like, big question mark, 
who knows? So I think there is a, a nice sort of way to step out and leave a pinky toe behind and say, well, maybe. Yeah, I agree. Maybe. <laughs> I agree. So right now, can you explain to people what your business is right now? What kind of consulting are you doing? What are you helping people do? What's going on in your world? Yeah, absolutely. Because I know how to get student results and because I understand curriculum, I do a lot of work with online business owners or people who are experts in something and they are looking to get better client results. They want to grow. They want to step away from working one-to-one. I actually work with an acupuncturist right now who wants to step away from doing one-to-one acupuncture into bringing the resource out to the public and having people understand. So I would say I'm the expert's expert. I help you take your ideas, take the things that you're already doing and turn it into a one-to-many offer that allows you to not only make money, but to have client results. That educator, the educator in me wants to know like the data. I want you to get faster results and to feel really confident as you're doing that. And my method is called Make Caviar and Caviar stands for Clarity, Authority, Visibility, Integration, Automation, and Results. And it really utilizes all the things I did inside the classroom and now at a a level that to me is a bolder level, right? I want people to be able to serve more people and to feel really confident and comfortable as they do that. And there's also a speaking aspect to that where I want people to know that women are still uh, affected by breast cancer, affected by ovarian cancer. And talking about that is something I think we don't do enough of inside of the teaching space. And so really owning my story and finding the way to talk about that, that doesn't have to be after hours or on vacation. So it's fun. It's exciting and it's scary and it's my identity (laughs) shifting all the time. And, um, it's just a reminder that, I can do it for other people and I'm doing it for myself. And it's very meta. I always say like, it's super meta here, you know, (laughs) things I'm telling other people to do. I'm like, Oh, Monica, you probably need to do that as well. I mean, isn't that the, isn't that just the shtick that all of us are, (laughs) that all of us are going through? All right. There are likely some course creators, some business owners and some teachers that are like, uh, I need to talk to you right now. How do they get in touch with you? How do they find you? Yeah, the best place is Instagram. I hang out there often. I'm at Monica Monfrey on Instagram. Um, my website is monicamonfrey.com. I work with people in group settings and in one-to-one settings. And I also want to say that this is my third year anniversary that of being in business. And by the end of quarter two, I anticipate that I will have hit lifetime revenue of $200,000 in my business. And it started off as a side hustle where I wanted to make $700 so that I could pay off my student loans each month. So if you are listening to this and you're a teacher and you're thinking, I don't know if this is for me, like, what if I can't, like, I just want people to know that you can create a side hustle, full-time hustle, whatever it is. And that, you know, I I wasn't tracking my numbers because that go back to what we said earlier. And (laughs) this year it's going to happen. And Maybe it's already happened. I didn't check my numbers. Um, but that's a pretty significant, uh, as a teacher, to see those numbers is like, dang. Yeah. We're valuable people. We know a lot. So like, yeah, grab the training. <laughs> yeah, I love it. it. 
Yeah, so the training uh, is right on the screen. So if you're watching this on video, it's on the screen. If you're listening to this as a podcast, there will be a link in the show notes for you to go uh, check out a training that Monica has for you. And I just highly recommend that you do it. I have been watching Monica in the online space for five or six years, something like that. Yeah. It's It's been a long time. And the evolution of what she's offering, it just every single time something shifts, it gets better and better and better and better. And now that she's in this full time and she's not teaching currently, and this is the thing, it just, it, the past few months, it's really just blown up, in my opinion. I, I'm just watching you and so happy to be watching you and feeling a little bit like proud and with you in a good way. Not, you know, like I didn't create it. I didn't do it, but I'm proud with you watching it happen. So if you're out there and you're thinking, okay, like I can do this. This is even if your idea is that like Monica's saying, you want to make an extra 500 bucks a month so that you can prove to yourself that if you do need to leave teaching, that at least you can create something. Yeah do it, right? Do it. So the past two weeks we have spoken about teachers. Well, the past two guest episodes and we hadn't done that on fried up until now. And it was mostly because I was afraid of it a little bit because I don't know. I know a lot of teachers, but I don't know what to do within that system to make a lot of change because the system is so structured. There's only so many options. Like if you don't have time on your schedule to pee, like I can't change that for you. So having these, uh, it's having these conversations, especially now after the pandemic, when teachers already went through so much and sort of things got back to normal, but now people are crashing because things got back to normal and they can relax a little bit again this is, I see more teacher burnout happening now than I have in the years past. And I think yeah. this post COVID thing is like, just really, really hit it. So I'm happy to do this now. I'm glad that it's happening. I feel grateful to know people that can help me get this information out in a way that I feel confident about and, and, and feel like it's useful. So to my teachers out there, I haven't been ignoring you. I've just been afraid to give you the wrong information. <laughs> and I like to do things the right way. So these past couple of weeks, these are for you. I truly and deeply believe that you save the world more often than you know. There are kids that can't function without you. There are things that you're doing that nobody else is doing for people. And I want to be in a world, I want to participate in a world where we support you enough so that you can do that without hurting yourself in the process. So thank you for everything you do. And Monica, thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out with me. I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me. And thank you for everyone. You know, once a teacher, always a teacher. I feel like it's like the military, you know, you're always a part of us, you know, and, uh, I'm grateful for every teacher that I've had the privilege of working with and learning from. Yeah. We got each other. Exactly. We're all just walking each other home. In the meantime, everyone, please remember to be kind to yourself and to create a life where you can pee when you got to pee. Until next time. Ha 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 
Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan. Fried fam, you know how much I love keeping it real and sharing true, deep, and dark stories about life and burnout. You also know, if you've been around for a while, that I have never had a quote-unquote real job because I've been an entrepreneur since the day I finished school. And entrepreneurship can be lonely. That's why if you're an entrepreneur or a creative like me, I want you to listen to the Who Made You the Boss podcast with Lindsay Epperly. With deep dives into imposter syndrome, honesty about bank accounts and life drama, and stories about the fallacy of balancing it all, Lindsay and Who Made You the Boss make the world of entrepreneurship more real, more connected, and less lonely. I recommend starting with episode three, all about slowing down for more impact. You can thank me later. Hey, Fried fans, are you ready to beat burnout for good? I want you to join our newsletter for top tips, resources, and as per usual, a touch of humor delivered straight to your inbox. Plus, when you do that, you'll get our core values exercise, which is your secret weapon to kickstart your burnout recovery and then keep it away long term. Don't wait. Head to bit.ly forward slash core values freebie and start feeling better today. That link will also be in the show notes.